you have your order of service and your outline this morning, you can pull this little half sheet of paper out, and you see the title this morning is But God. We'll find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll start around maybe verse 54 rather than verse 50. And this morning, I want to more act as your CRO, your chief reminding officer, to remind you of much of what you already know. This morning, I don't anticipate that I'll say much that is uh, new or fresh, but maybe it'll give you fresh perspective on what the Lord has done. To remind you of what's already here, to remind you of what we know to be true this Easter season, I hope that it'll just simply spark in you a freshness of the gospel this morning. I had a story this week of a dad and his daughter who were out in the backyard just enjoying nature and having a good old time. And this sweet little dad and daughter playing in the backyard, and all of a sudden a bee came swirling by the daughter who has a, a very severe allergy to bee stings. So she begins to f- frantically run away and flail around and scream and run away from this little bee, and the dad just very lovingly and carefully walked up to the bee and just clasped it in his hands and stood there for a moment and the daughter had a huge sigh of relief knowing that that bee had been captured by her daddy. A few minutes later, a few moments later, the dad just simply opened his hands and let the bee go. And the daughter had that moment of frantic again, just saying, dad, why did you let the bee go? I'm going to get stung and just beginning to wonder and lose her mind for just a second. And her dad just simply reached out and showed him, her, his palm with the stinger still intact in the palm taken the sting that would have sent her into shock. And this morning, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we look at the sting of death. We look at what Jesus has done on the cross to take the sting of death. But we ultimately point to this but God moment, in which Jesus not only took the sting of death, but he rose victoriously over it. Let's turn in our Bibles and let's read along here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse, let's go with verse 54. Paul writes, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray for a moment. Dear Lord, we, we pause in the middle of our enthusiasm and our excitement and our anticipation for this day to do what we do every week and just to say thank you. Thank you for the joy of our salvation. Thank you for what you have done. Or in these next very few moments, I pray that you would stir our hearts towards you. That you would remind us of your great love and care and provision for us. Open our hearts to receive and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, all of us have the same condition. All of us have walked in here with much of the same problem. 
Now, if I scan across this room, all of us have obviously different problems. We have some uh, relational issues, some financial issues, sometimes marriage problems or just not knowing what's next, uh, maybe anxiety over the next thing that's coming our way. All of us have an array of problems that if we were to put into a giant machine to spit out all of our problems, the, the page would probably go on and on and on and on because we're a people full. Uh, we just got problems, right? We're human. We've got a pulse. We've got problems. But our greatest issue today is not the problems that we face, it's the reality of sin in our lives. You see on your outline, the number one, the reality of sin is an issue for all of us in this room. For every human that has walked on the face of the planet, the reality of sin is a real thing that we've got to deal with and got to understand. We know from scripture that all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard, God's perfection. All of us in this room, whether we are young or old, whether we are uh, rich or poor, all of us have sinned and fallen short. And we then make that leap that the wages of sin is death. And so we all have a pretty serious problem recognizing that sin has an effect on us. Ever since the Garden of Eden in Genesis, when sin first entered into the world, that everything was perfect before then. God had set up everything in perfection, that there was no sin. There was perfect of relationship between God and man, communing with one another perfectly. Everything was good and glorious in the Garden. And then sin entered into the picture. And from that moment, fractures have been happening in the relationship between God and man. Fractures and divisions and strife and pain and sorrow have entered into the world since that day in the Garden of Eden. Friends, before we move on to the reality of our victory, we first have to understand the reality of the sin in our lives. And the quicker we understand, the the more depth that we understand in our sin, the more that we understand that we are sinners in need of God's grace. If we don't recognize that we are sinners, then we'll never look for a Savior. If we don't anticipate and understand that we are sinners in need of God's grace, then we just simply sit idly by and have a, a very small view of what God has done. At the very beginning of the pandemic here in 2020, I woke up one morning with just an incredible pain in my toe. And I'm going to pause for a moment because I realize it's Easter Sunday and I'm about to give you a big toe story. And um, maybe you can pray between now and 11 o'clock. God gives me a better story to tell. But that's where we are, all right? I'm about to tell a story about my big toe, all right? Just deal with it. It's where we're going, all right? So woke up at the beginning of the pandemic with a very serious, that's right, ingrown toenail, right? Googled it, looked at it. 34 years old, in the middle of the pandemic, I can deal with a little toe nail that's just in the wrong spot. How big of a deal is that? Not much. I mean, we should be able to, as a man, deal with a little piece of toenail that's in the wrong place on your toe. It's not that big of a deal until it was, right? So several weeks go by, and I think, it's the pandemic. I've got three kids. Ain't nobody got time to deal with a toenail that's not in the right spot. And so just deal with it. And so for weeks, just dealt with it and just looked at it and said, this is nice, and it'll go away at some point, right? It's a pandemic. Who are you going to see right now? It's, it can't go anywhere. you got to dig that thing out or whatever. And so just dealt with it until about a month later, that toenail took its revenge on my body. That little ingrown toenail became infected, and I, I, I'm coming to the end of this. I know it's Easter Sunday. Okay, I'm coming to the end of this toenail story. Became infected. 
And you better believe in that moment, it came from, I can just deal with this thing. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a, a little toenail that's in the wrong spot on the skin. It's not that big of a deal to, this is an issue that I've got to find a doctor immediately to fix or I'm going to go into something bad, right? I don't know, but something bad's about to happen if I don't deal with this issue right now, right now. Easily look at that little issue and say, This isn't that big of a deal. It's not a problem. It's just a little issue on the bottom of my foot. It's not hurting anything or anybody. It's just a little problem. It'll deal with itself. It'll resolve. Or you could recognize if this thing is not taken care of, it's going to mess up the entirety of who I am. And at times, until we recognize the reality of our sin, that we are sinners deeply in need of God's grace, then we will not seek out a Savior will simply say that my sin is not that bad. You know, I'll, I'll make it into heaven somehow because my sin maybe is not quite as bad as the good things I've done. Until we recognize the full weight of our sin that held Jesus onto the cross. Until we recognize the sinners that we are desperately in need of God's grace. That our sin is enough to send us an eternal separation from God. And until we sit in that moment and recognize the full weight of our sin. And I don't believe we recognize the full weight of God's victory. If we have a small view of sin, then we have a small view of our Savior. If we believe we've sinned little, then we believe Jesus did very little for us on the cross. Because I'm not calling us to go out and just sin a whole bunch to make God's grace more abundant. What I'm saying is when we recognize the devastating weight that our sin has caused to us. That because of our sin, we were bound for an eternity separated from God. When we recognize the full weight of the reality of our sin, it would then lead us to the second point on your outline, and that is to recognize the reality of God's victory. When we see the battle that we were in, the raging war of our sin, and then we look at the reality of God's salvation and his victory, it is so much more exhilarating and exuberant to recognize he did save me from the pit of hell. He has saved me from all of my sins. And this is where that but God moment comes in. You see in verse 56, the sting of death, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But verse, verse 57, but thanks be to God. This morning we've come to simply say, but thanks be to God. Even though the reality of sin was great, but thanks be to God. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And friends, if we were to end the story right there, we would be in a great world of hurt. If we would have ended the story with Jesus on the cross on this Friday, if we would have ended the story where Jesus was laid in on a cross and laid in a tomb and the story ended in that moment that we would stop at Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And as you came and you shared your problems with me, I would simply have to say, I'm sorry, this is the best we got. I'm sorry that you're enduring this pain. I'm sorry you're enduring the sorrow, but we got no hope. We got nothing. If this was the end of the story, if Jesus was on a cross but he didn't rise victoriously from the dead, then simply all I could offer you was to enjoy the life that you have on this earth the best that you possibly can because we've got no hope. But see, the verse continues. 
Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's a but here that means everything. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. This past Thursday, we, we commemorated eight years since our family stood in a hospital room at UAB and heard the diagnosis that my mom had three to six months to live after a stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis. And there is not a day that goes by that I don't think about and miss my mom so much. But I think about on a day like today when she is in heaven enjoying the goodness of the Lord and, and just standing in the victory of what God has done. Now, if I were just share with you that story that eight years ago we stood in a hospital room and she was given three to six months to live and I miss her dearly, you wouldn't know the fullness of that story. That she was given three to six months to live, but, but the Lord extended her life for four years, allowed her to see my, my son be born. I've had incredible four years of her life extended on, just incredible years that she got to travel and do amazing things. If you miss the but in the middle of that story, that three to six months to live, but the Lord extended her life, you miss out on so much of the story. And if we miss out on this story, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. When you think about what God has done in your life, maybe you were bound by addiction. You were in the shackles and the weight of addiction in your life to drugs, alcohol. And many of you have shared your stories over these past two weeks that you were bound by the chains of addiction, but you ended the story, but God has set me free. Some of you have shared with me about your marriages, that they were on the fritz and they're struggling. And then at times you've come back and said, but God has intervened. Some of you are on the brink of ruin and you feel like everything has left you. You're just struggling mightily and you'll come back and say, but God has given me a new song on my lips. Isn't it beautiful when you have those moments of, but God. Think about last week as we looked at Lazarus. Lazarus is four days dead in a tomb. Everybody is come, coming through and consoling Martha and Mary. The Jews are coming by and consoling one another about Lazarus' death. Four days in the tomb. And then Jesus shows up. And then Jesus shows up and says, Lazarus, come out. And he changes this dead man into life. And friends, at the end of the day, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. But God has made us alive together with Christ. All of us in this room, I pray, have one of those but God moments in us where we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God has made us alive together with Christ. And what does that do for us? Four things that you see on your outline. What does that do for us amongst a multitude others? One, it should produce in us a heart of everlasting thankfulness. Believers should be the most thankful people on the face of the planet. And you may say this morning, Mark, I've got, I've got nothing to be thankful for. Everything has gone wrong. Everything has gone bad. Everything has gone sour and south. And I have, I just, I've got very little to be thankful for. My heart isn't tuned to thankfulness. I've got not much left in the thankfulness tank because of everything seeming to go wrong and downhill. But as you drill down to the core of who you are, Yes, so many things may be going wrong. 
But at the end of the day, as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, if you believe that everything has gone wrong and you have nothing to be thankful for, recognize as a believer, Jesus lived a life that you could not live and took on the full weight of the punishment that you deserved to allow you to go from death to life. And friends, that should produce in us a heart of everlasting thankfulness when we realize that we have been paid off a debt that we could not pay. It takes us back to the parable of the forgiven debts. In modern terms, you look at two people who have debts forgiven. Maybe one person this afternoon, you leave and you go eat lunch and somebody, a friend, pays for your lunch. Don't you know that you're going to be a little bit excited for a lunch paid for? Right? Pretty good deal. Maybe somebody's going to cook you lunch today and you're thankful for that person to cook you lunch slaving to cook you lunch today. But let's walk out of here and maybe say you go to pay your mortgage payment on Easter Sunday, you know, and you look at your bank account and all of a sudden someone has paid off your mortgage debt. What would your response be? Of course, a heart that would say, this is incredible. Your heart would just be stirred to thankfulness and joy. And you're going to find out who is that person that paid off my debt, who paid off my mortgage. You're going to be everlasting thankful for this person who paid off your debt. Friends, when we recognize that we've not had a lunch debt paid, but we've had our sin debt paid, then it should stir our hearts towards thankfulness. And secondly, it would give us a heart of a community of encouragement. When you see that he gives us the victory, that God has given us the victory, we stand in this room full of victory. And what I love about the gathered body of Christ is we come together in a room like this and we're packed in on top of each other. And as you look to your left and to your right, in your front and in your back, you're seeing a group of people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. What has bound us together, what brings us together is not that we enjoy worshiping downtown, but we love Jesus and we are bound together by the gospel. And so we recognize in what Jesus has done that he has won our victory. He took my sins and the sins of the whole world. So it gives us a community of encouragement that we as a people are 0% perfect but 100% redeemed. It's a beautiful reality of what brings us together. So take joy, friends, that you stand around, that you sit around people who are in the same boat as you are and who have found victory in none other than Jesus. Then number three, it gives us a trust in his grace. It gives us a deep trust in his grace is who has given us the victory. This past Wednesday night as we took communion together, I was struck by holding that cup. And as we sang the song, what could make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could wash us white as snow. And there are times in my life where I believe that Jesus has secured my salvation and he's just barely been able to do it. And he looks at me and says, Mark, you can come to heaven, but man, I'm not, I'm not too happy about it because you're just a sinful guy, and I'm going to clean you up just good enough to get into heaven. But what do you see in Scripture? That he has washed us white as snow, that he has given us a victory unlike any others. Not that he barely scraped by, that he barely won the day. No, he has risen in full victory, so much so that in verse 55, Paul can say, oh, death, what you got? Sin, what you got on me? You got nothing. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where's your sting? You've got nothing on me because of Jesus. 
when you feel Paul taunting death, taunting sin, saying, what you got? You got nothing on me because of the blood of Jesus. There is nothing in me. You've got nothing on me. And taunting. That's the kind of victory that he has won. The kind of victory that would say, Lord, you have done it. You have secured our salvation, which would lead us to the fourth one, which is a spirit of humility. To simply say, Lord, you have won this victory. When we couldn't have done it, you have done it. That you died on the cross to save me of my sins where I could not. And that leads us to have a spirit of humility. The final reality that we need to look at this morning before we conclude the service is the reality in our own life. What we've talked about is the reality of sin and the reality of God's victory, which are so incredibly important. But now we come to the part of the reality in your life. Verse 58 would say, therefore, and anytime you see therefore, we always want to see what has come before it. And we've just talked about what's come before it, the, what Jesus has done. So therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Before we live for the Lord, before we go out and make disciples, before we go out living fully in the freedom of the Lord, we first have to rest in what he has done. Tim Keller said it well, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. And this morning, we need to look square in the face. If Jesus truly rose victoriously over the dead, then what does that mean for you and me? How does that change our lives? And if we don't first wrestle with the question, do I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that he took my sins on the cross and rose victoriously, until we deal with that question in our hearts, then nothing else will make sense. We can give great sermons about how to be a better person, how to have a better marriage, how to better, have a better home, how to be a better parent, how to be a better coworker. We can have great sermons about all these sorts of things about how to be a better person. But until you are taken by the gospel of Jesus Christ, until it invades every nook and cranny of your heart, until the gospel has changed you from the inside out, friends, nothing else really matters. Until you have been smitten and taken by it to say, Lord, I am giving you everything because you have given me everything then nothing else will make sense. And so this morning, last, let's take joy daily in the resurrection. Wake up daily being reminded that Jesus has won our victory. Daily being reminded and celebrating that he has won your victory. Every day in the believer is Easter Sunday morning for us. That we remind ourselves that Jesus is not on the cross. That he has risen and that he has risen indeed. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. We thank you that you have risen and risen indeed. And we take joy in the resurrection. Lord, thank you for what it has won for us. We pause in this moment and recognize the reality of our sin. That our sin was great, but we also, in that moment, we also know that your sacrifice on the cross was greater than our sin. Covered all of our sin so that we can be white as snow. So we stand here today 
in your strength and in your power. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.